Welcome to Real Art vs. Modern Art. Well, as you can see here, this doesn't look like much. Actually, modern art isn't much. It doesn't take much talent to do crap. It is crap. Um, it's taking over worldwide. I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. And believe me, I'm an open-minded person. I've been to all the galleries on the West Coast. It's taken several years, and I do like to travel. So, trust me, I know crap when I see it. I don't like it. Um, other artworks are... I mean, they look like you take a paintbrush and just fill it with paint and then splatter it on the canvas. Others look like someone has literally dumped a bucket of paint on the canvas, run it around at a million miles a minute, and there you go. You've got modern art. And for some weird reason, modern art makes more money than real art. And trust me, I know art when I see art, and this sure as hell is an art. I've been doing art my whole life. I am. It, <laughs> trust me, it runs in the family. Uh, we love art. We're artists. Uh, we know artists all over the place. Uh, stop this modern art crap. Modern art is not art. It is nonsense. It is ridiculous. And it's putting real artists out of a business, uh, figuratively speaking. Here's real art. And we're back. You're tuned into Aquarium Drunkard's Transmissions Podcast. My name is Justin here in Los Angeles, joined by Jason in the Snorn Desert, both locked down and quarantine. Hello, Jason. How are you doing, dude? I am good. I am, uh, man. I am adjusting to this to this new normal. I suppose it's it's kind of weird, right? How how it didn't take as long as it seemed like it would for this to sort of start to feel normal. The just insanity that now doesn't seem quite as, <laughs> sure. quite as insane. It's amazing what we can adjust to. Um, but yeah, I've got my seven-year-old running around. We're trying to quote-unquote homeschool along with everything else. So yeah, it's been an adventure so far. He's, uh, he's distance learning. He is distance learning. Um, how does how does he feel about it? Does he does is he okay with this whole setup? You know, kids are pretty resilient and malleable. I think. I mean, again, he's seven. I think for kids, the hardest thing is just not being around their friends. I guess he's been in this lockdown. I think LAUSD. I think they shut the schools down. Uh, it's been it's been a full month now. So, you know, aside from you know seeing some of his friends on like a Zoom call, yeah, it's just been him and his folks. Well, that's what I miss too. I miss hanging out with my friends more than anything. I don't I don't mind uh, I don't mind staying at home and right. working, working from home, but I but I do miss seeing people that I don't live with. Yeah, I think we're all getting a very stark look at the things that are important to us throughout this. And on that note, uh, we've talked about it a couple times here on the podcast, but I just want to say that even if I weren't doing a show on Radio Free Aquarium Drunkard, which I am, airs Wednesday nights, uh, 9 Pacific Time, midnight Eastern Time, but uh, even if I wasn't doing that show, Radio Free Aquarium Drunkard, man, it has been the coolest thing to be a part of, and it has been so exciting tuning in. I've been tuning in so, so much. It's been kind of playing most of the day for me. How about you? How, how fun has this, this experiment been? It's been great. I'm glad you're digging it and thrilled you have that show. I've been very much enjoying Range in Basin, 
Listeners, that's the name of Jason's weekly show. Tune in on Wednesday nights. It's been great, man. It's, you know, in terms of if there's a, a silver lining to to any of this quarantine, I do think some interesting creative projects have come out of it. And at Aquarium Drunkard, I think this online pirate streaming radio station has, has definitely been... Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and we've had some some amazing guest selectors. Uh, just last night, we had Russell Alexander. I think you tuned into that as well, Jason. That was an hour of the ambient and tribal sounds of drummer Mickey Hart. You got to hear that, right? Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. I, I, I felt like I was in the psychedelic uh, rainforest cafe of my dreams. Indeed. Also, we had Marty Sartini-Garner. He did a tribute to Herbie Hancock in honor of his 80th birthday. It's worth mentioning we are archiving a lot of these shows over at the Aquarium Drunkard Patreon. That's right, yeah. And Marty Marty does a weekly show on Thursday nights as well, which is awesome. I, I, I love tuning into that. Love tuning in for the, the awesome ESP disc thing that we did over the weekend where Adam Downey took us through that storied labels like ins and outs it was it was quite a quite a strange little situation but i loved that this is it's just been so much fun hearing all this kind of weird eclectic programming that people have been putting together yeah it's been wild so far i guess we're on day 16 since i launched the broadcast and it's something like 48,000 listeners around the globe it's it's been pretty interesting just seeing people coming out of the woodwork and just the our mailbag has been really interesting from people all around the planet tuning in well if you want to listen listeners all you got to do is uh point your browser over at aquariumdrunkard.com it's there at the very top of the site you can click that you can listen you can pair it up with your smart speaker or your sonos i've had mine coming out of the sonos and it's it sounds really good so yeah it, tune in and yeah if you, the tune in app you can use the tune in app there you go yeah or radio garden or, or any of these various interfaces that are that are out there these days there are all these ways to get it and have it coming out of a nice sound system, and uh, yeah, we really we've been we've been loving doing it. So so check it out, and and if you hear something that you really love, there's a there's a Twitter feed, there's an automated Twitter feed that will tell you what's playing. You can find that just by checking Aquarium Drunkard on Twitter. It's like it's been linked a whole bunch in the feed. So there's that going on, and then uh, a lot of the individual DJs will post their playlists, and then a lot of that stuff ends up archived in the Patreon. So pretty cool project. On that note, we've got an interview this week with Aquarium Drunkard columnist Jesse Jarnow, who was, he's always a pleasure to speak with. He's a pretty interesting dude, and I, I really loved catching up with him. In addition to his his radio show on FMU, uh, WFMU, which is, of course, a, a stalwart in the freeform broadcasting department, he's got a, he's got a Monday night show called The Frau Show, and I uh, highly recommend checking that out. It's archived at WFMU.org. And Jesse's right writing has been published by anybody who's looking for an authoritative voice on on a heady subject you know which includes relics pitchfork rolling stone and the new york times in addition to a bunch of books that he's written and we've covered those at aquarium drunkard his his book heads a biography of psychedelic america one of my favorites and, uh, and his- that, that was the last time I think you caught up with him on the podcast. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, you can you can find a podcast about that uh, it, just by scrolling back in the transmissions archives. We talked about about 
that great book, which, you know, kind of circles around the Grateful Dead, and it is definitely about the Grateful Dead, but it covers so much more than that. And that's really what I love about Jesse's, like, way of thinking. He makes all these connections that seemingly would elude a lot of people. He's He's got a really sharp eye at that. And uh, Jesse Jesse's great. Whenever I think about him, besides his, his taste in music, it's also he's kind of like a... A living, breathing, whole earth catalog. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Exa- that's exactly right. Yeah, and, and with society sort of in this, this state of monumental flux, this weirdness, you know, it felt like a perfect time to ring him up and talk about sort of the radical possibilities that this, this current moment presents us with. Uh, we talked about some dystopia and some utopia happenings, uh, and we talked a lot about jam culture and it's sort of ahead of the curve embrace of like live streaming and couch tours which as we all know right now that's if you're experiencing live music it's 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 probably through some sort of live stream so jesse and i caught up about that and he dropped justin he dropped some info about his next book which i'm really excited about yeah i'm excited to check that out i saw him on twitter talking about that the other day that's right. It's it's sort of this alternate history of the recording industry, and it's told via various bootlegs and gray market releases. So Jesse is a great guy to, to catch up with. So I hope you guys enjoy our talk, and we'll see you at the other end of that conversation. couple weeks been for you they've been really 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 weird um probably less weird than than other people in new york uh my partner is a representative um for uh nurses in in, at new york city hospitals so she is on a lot of really um harrowing calls pretty frequently so yeah um I'm sort of a couple's. I'm certainly several steps removed from what's going on 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 actual front lines, but still kind of witness to it in a, in sort of a close by kind of way. So that's been um, really heavy and, and intense. But I'm personally doing just dandy. You know, I'm I'm you know I'm sort of cut out for 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 hanging out at home, um, and, and certainly have plenty to keep myself occupied. What, has your has your daily routine changed much? What's a typical day look like for you? My mostly my weekly routine has changed. My daily routine is is you know I, I guess I go for less runs than I used to. You know, sure. kind of pick my pick, pick the nice days and the spots where I think I'll probably encounter fewer people. But besides that, you know, yeah, I'm just kind of home. <laughs> I wake up, I. I, I start working. <laughs> yeah. Sort of, sort of it. You know, my, having, having a radio show every Monday is, is, is really my only tether to like an actual schedule and knowing what day of the week it is, you know, just knowing that I've got <laughs> X number of days until the next time I have to do that. Or it's been, you know, however many days since the last time I did that. Yeah. 
Well, that's the that's the Frau show on WFMU, which is Monday <laughs> Monday nights uh, nine nine p.m. nine p.m. Eastern. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, and it's a great show. Um, uh, and I, I take it from listening that you've you've been um, recording that from from home. Yeah, well, I've been doing it live from home, not even recording, streaming it, which is amazing. Like, I, yeah, I apparently could have been doing this all along. Um, not that I necessarily want to be doing this all along, but it's it, the whole process of getting myself onto WFMU is, was way more from my couch. It was uh, way more painless than I thought. It's um, it's it's all all really from one one magical little application. Um, but uh, it's been incredible. I mean, I'm sure you have noticed this as well um, in terms of, you know, setting up the Aquarium Drunkard radio station. Is that just like listenership for live radio has just apparently blown up in the last few weeks. You know, people are, you know, captive audiences, basically. But it's been um, it's been a really great um, just sort of, you know, three hour little floating music community to kind of pop open every Monday night. Um, that's sort of part of this larger WFM wor- WFMU world, yeah. which has been also um, an incredible tether <laughs> for me, uh, sort of being connected to that. Um, but, but it is something that I've been thinking about a lot is um, kind of the ways that these sort of online and offline music worlds and music scenes are kind of colliding and, and, and melting into one another, um, during, during the, this isolation period. Um, it's been, yeah, that's been a a really wonderful thing. Like, you know, kind of seeing that happen on on social media, especially. Well, so, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's obviously, it's not hard to, uh, to, to pinpoint or, uh, or make note of the many ways in which social media, uh, has, you know, negative, negative elements or drawbacks, you know, anybody, anybody can do that. But I, I've been thinking a lot about how, um, integral my connections to the various creative communities that I'm, I'm kind of tapped into through, through things like Twitter and, uh, you know, obviously the radio station, uh, the aquarium drunkards launched and, and, and Instagram and all that stuff. It, it, it's kind of, for me lately, um, the more utopian aims of that stuff have felt, uh, closer to the front of my, my thinking, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, it, it's just this incredible way to sort of not quite visualize, but actualize the, these, sort of fleeting little communities that happen, you know, and at, at shows and at, you know, record stores and things that there's now kind of a, a, it's almost like a, you know, this permanent floating community that you can find on the, on these, on these social networks and, you know, kind of anywhere on the internet doesn't even necessarily need to be social media. Right. Um, but it's, it, it's gotten so easy to find, you know, other people for whatever, you know, whatever little, you know, quadrant of the music world that you're part of, it's, 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 it's very easy to connect to those people. And that's a, such a wonderful thing these days. Yeah. You've done, you've done a few kind of couch tour type things, right? Um, last week, I know, uh, you kind of spearheaded like the hashtag live rust thing where a bunch oh, right. of people, including myself, we all hooked up and yeah, watched, uh, way fun. it was so much fun. And, and I actually haven't done that a lot, but that's not entirely new for you, right? Yeah, that group, you know, 
it's a pretty natural part of, of kind of the jam world, which is, I guess, kind of my virtual hometown in the music scene. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, in, in that context, I'm, you know, I wouldn't call myself a, a newbie by any stretch, but I'm, there, there are people who are way more committed to doing couch tour, um, than I am. But I, I love the experience of watching, um, music with people online kind of synced up at the same time. And it was, it was fun to get to do that with Neil Young, with the Neil Young show that he posted on, um, on the archive site. And, and yeah, I mean, that really traditionally has been kind of like a jam world thing, you know, yeah. kind of like dead related bands and fish related bands. And, and I, I'm quite happy that, um, that experience is, is now leaping the fence into, into other parts of the music world. Like, um, you know, it's, it's I, I, I keep track of my favorite, you know, live, you know, shows that I've seen in any given year. And I've got, <laughs> there's a little dividing line on my list this year where it's, you know, now I've got keeping track of my favorite live stream shows that I've seen this year. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those are, you know, it's, it's fun to watch like Neil Young with however many people were, were watching the Neil show, but it's also fun to, you know, go to the equivalent of like smaller shows. Like I really love the streams that Sarah Louise has been doing. Um, yeah, they've been amazing. Uh, Matt, Pardon? They've been amazing. Sarah's yeah, particularly. Matt, Matt Nash, uh, the Starburst uh, Flower Room crew have been doing some really beautiful things. And, you know, it's like the equivalent of like going to like a, you know, a smaller show. Yeah, uh, that yeah. Kind of, that kind of thing. It's, and it's great. Do, do you, you know, your book, uh, Heads, talked a lot about how the jam community seized the the networking possibilities of of the internet you know straight away like pretty much the internet was invented and then deadheads were using the internet to talk about the grateful dead um you you said that you know you think that i mean do you imagine that that um I'm going to ask you to play armchair uh prognosticator a little bit but do do you imagine that other other types of musicians will start figuring out ways to utilize this. It's not that this technology didn't exist before the quarantine, but I wonder if post quarantine, whenever that is, um, we might see a broader sort of adoption of, of yeah. this as a, as a means to connect. And do you think that there's a way that maybe musicians could even monetize this in a, like, you know, the way that some jam bands have done? Yeah, I think absolutely. I don't think there's, to me, there's no question that this is where things are going. Um, you know, I'm, I'm to bring up Neil Young again, I'm, I'm a paid subscriber to the, to Neil Young archives, uh, his incredibly idiosyncratic website. Um, yeah, with his new, and I, you know, and I, I'm, a li- I, I'm honestly a little shocked that it took him until this moment to start doing stuff like that. You know, yeah. like, cause I, you know, there's, I feel like there are a lot of, musicians who love playing where touring is not always going to be the easiest thing either because they're getting older in the case of somebody like Neil or just because touring is just not really a totally practical thing for, for lots of people. You know, there's, there's gas money, there's, you know, figuring out where you're going to crash. There's just a lot of expenses and a lot of, you know, you, you can certainly make an income touring, but there's certainly a lot of ways you can really like, <laughs> you can really not make an income touring. Um, and I do hope that that there's some middle path, um, and I and I, I I think that this is revealing that. Like I, I certainly see musicians starting to to you know charge for streams for 
you know, for benefits and for, for other things over these last few weeks. And I, you know, as I don't see any reason why musicians can't just say, Hey, this money is for me. I'm a musician. I need to eat and I can't gig and I can't, you know, make money off streaming, you know, off of streaming of recorded music. So I'm doing these live events. And to me, that seems like a perfectly reasonable cost effective way for musicians to, to, to do things, you know, to do things and, and make money and a really, you know, untapped creative platform. I think as we're seeing over these last few weeks, um, just seeing it's, it's way fascinating to me to see how different musicians kind of like aesthetics sort of translate to, you know, first of all, what platform they're using to begin with. Right. And then like, you know, how they're, you know, how are they setting up their camera? Like, you know, how are they interacting with fans through it? It's, it's, you know, cause you, you do, you do again, just to, to keep going back to Neil, you like, you see, you actually see Neil Young in the comments of Instagram there, but you know, you see, right. like, you know, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just fascinating. It's a whole, it's definitely a, a major shift in, in what you would call live music. It's been interesting, you know, since we launched the, and, and Radio Free Aquarium Drunkard is, is really Justin's baby. You know, Justin has really pushed that and set that up. But I've been doing a show, and a bunch of friends are doing shows. And over the last couple of weeks, organically, um, we've started to get really cool offers from people to do guest things and little programs and stuff. And it, it just has made me think, um, as we see people tuning in all over the world, um, it's almost shocked me how uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the right way to say it. It's shocked me uh, th- how little I had considered really uh, the the level of connection that is possible through things like live streams or online broadcasting or anything like that. Of course, I had understood it, you know, in the past, and I understood that it was a, a valid means to connect with people, but recognizing the sort of um, emotional element of it and the, and the desire for connection. Um, I, I like to think that if something comes out of this along the lines of people uh, having spent any time thinking about why they want to connect, then I think that we're, we stand to, to maybe uh, gain a little ground in terms of that kind of thoughtfulness. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, and it's something that I have definitely got been on kind of an advanced curve of just because of WFMU um, and experience, being able to experience the power of, of doing live radio over the last ten years um, and live radio that's 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 connected over you know the entire world. I end up with the you know I, I used to have like a three in the morning slot where it was like drive time in Europe, so it would be. <laughs> You know, yeah. people going going to work and sitting down at their offices, and in the comment section, it would be just this like collision of late night weirdos like me, <laughs> and you know, I remember distinctly somebody posting like, "Hey, I'm listening to your show, working. Oh, where was it? It was like Denmark. I'm like working on the wharf in Denmark. This is my view." And they posted a picture of like a. a, a picture out the door of a bunch of boat, like giant boats, like docked. And it was a really powerful moment for me, just sort of being connected over whatever 
strange music was playing at that moment that there was the, that, that there were, were all these people kind of plugged in at, at that connection point. And my hope, um, out of all this is, is like you said, you know, that if, if people start thinking about that, that connection point and why they want to be connected and, and, and being connected with people, you know, my hope is that people outside of music communities will, will, will find those things and will find those entry points. Um, I don't, you know, I, I, the music world is kind of the only place I, I, I have any firsthand, um, you know, experience watching it go on. But, you know, I, I hope that, that other fan bases, I hope that people are finding ways to organize, you know, yeah. it's music. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I definitely take it for granted that I'm sort of part of all of these music worlds. Um, but I, you know, there's, there's lot, lot, lots of ways to, to find the others, you know, music, music is one of them. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean that, that jam world that you're talking about, it, it, it's it's this example of uh, of of music fandom transcending simply you know I like this band or whatever and and people being willing to adopt you know uh, the work of a, of a group as almost a, a kind of lifestyle or a kind of um, a kind of a, a shared tradition uh, something you know yeah. ritualistic or, or ceremonial and and I find that that that's really uh, that's something that. I'm sure it exists that way for, for sports fans too, you know, or people who, who, who really like cars and stuff. So I, I do, I do have to imagine that this, this whole weird thing is, is, is causing people to reconsider, uh, or at least if not reconsider, then sort of just uh, examine their, their desire for cultural connection. And hopefully something yeah. cool can come out of that. Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're saying that, one thing that one place that it occurred to me that this is definitely happening, and I don't have this isn't a, a thing that I do personally, but I know places like Minecraft and these kind of like shared online spaces that aren't quite gaming but aren't quite anything else um, are definitely an enormous like community, um, an enormous social network. I've you know I've, I've sort of seen Minecraft especially referred to as kind of like the real teenage social network. Wow. Um, yeah. And I can only, you know, I can only imagine the kinds of strange community mutations that are because you know those places are way more global than a lot of you know English speaking music communities That's for that right. matter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's 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 definitely all kinds of possibilities for for strange new hybrid online offline communities that I feel like are are forming right at this very moment you, you're suggesting there could be some sort of psychedelic twitch stream or something where somebody is like <laughs> taking uh, a, that's a different topic but yeah i don't know but yes i mean i i, I think it's uh, all i will no no look i will last night I'll, well you know i i i don't know if there were any actual psychedelics involved but i definitely came across through some friends on Twitter doing, there was a, a live Twitch channel. I don't know how many people were in it. It couldn't have been, it's probably like a dozen with, you know, strange light show that was, you know, video art that was happening from one source. And I think there was somebody DJing from somebody else from somewhere else that was, you know, it wasn't songs. It was kind of like the weird, weird flowing, elect, dripping electronic music. Um, yeah. Not quite dancey stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, these, all kinds of new forms and new ways for, for this stuff are, 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 are popping up. And I love seeing, I love seeing these creative new uses. 
Yeah, I, I think it's interesting, you know, William Gibson, who we've talked about on Twitter back and forth quite a bit, um, he posited sort of an idea, I think he called it a half-ass singularity, or maybe it was a shit-ass, <laughs> a shit-ass singularity is I think how, what, yeah. how he put it. But, but I do find that, that that's really interesting, this idea that, like, um, this this moment is giving us uh, a lot of opportunities to observe the weird cybernetic, organic, uh, collaborative kind of things that, that people are not only... It's not even a matter of being willing to do this stuff. I think for a lot of kids... Um, this is probably like second nature, you know, this, this kind of weird, right. uh, technology, technological meaning making. And I, I think that we're in a really interesting place for, uh, for observing that. And people like you, you know, you have kind of a, uh, like you said, you're on the, you're on the advanced curve. You kind of, you've kind of been watching this stuff percolate and develop over the last couple decades. Yeah, the, some of it for sure. Um, but like you said, you know, coming second, you know, second nature to kids, I'm, I'm, certainly not a kid anymore and i'm it's definitely really fascinating watching watching younger generations kind of just hop onto the internet and do these kind of weird mutated things yeah but that's that's beyond my beyond my zone at this point um but yeah it, you know sci-fi is definitely a pretty important part for how i've been sort of processing this this cultural moment um, yeah yeah, I, I, William Gibson, who you just mentioned, you know, I'm staring at a copy of the peripheral on my desk, which I happen to not happen to reread. I reread in January, preparing to read the new the new William Gibson, the newest William Gibson novel, Agency, and it's hard for you know every day my mind is very much in his world of, of our world of, of, of the jackpot and and thinking a lot about sort of his his concepts of just just the way that he 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 framed that stuff but um for for listeners who who haven't dived into to the uh the jackpot concept how how would you describe it oh <laughs> uh, well, i mean the, the jackpot is what's happening now the jackpot is you know what's how, how did gillian wells put it someone made the big score and fi- figured it out yeah uh it's it's you know it's it's where uh it's where some people cash in and where a lot of people get forcibly cashed out. And I, I feel like that's sort of a kind of, kind of what Bernie was campaigning against. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. It's, it's that, that's, I was going to say it's a separate topic, but it is not at all a separate topic. Um, but it's not what I'm going <laughs> to talk about right now. Sure. But, um, but yeah, the, 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 uh, the Peripheral by William Gibson is this amazing novel where part of it is set in, in the far future and part of it is set in kind of the, basically the current moment and kind of the, the, the ways those two spaces interact. And the gap between those two periods is this, this thing called, this sort of unspecified thing called the jackpot, which um, really now seems like we're living through. Um, yes. And it's, it's, it's really, you know, if there was any, cultural justice in the world you know you think of it the 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 30s is the great depression i feel like this is i feel like you know maybe the world will actually call this the jackpot someday yeah it no i hope not i i hope not too i mean it's 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 sort of a slow rolling apocalypse which by the by the by the time we've caught up to uh this far future in in 
in his recent books, you know, the divide between the haves and the have nots is it's, it's, it's beyond, uh, you know, it's two completely different worlds, you know? And, uh, I guess we do see that. Have you been able to bring yourself to, to read agency? Because I have a copy that's been staring at me and and I haven't felt like diving into it because I'm afraid that I'm, uh, I'll recognize too much. I read it. Thankfully, I'm, I'm looking at my little my notes. I I um I finished it at the end of February. Yeah, uh, which obviously now seems like months and months and months ago. But that it was, was kind of in those six years ago, I think. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like yeah, in, in human years, right? Yeah. Um, in pandemic years. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I you know I read it in those kind of few days kind of before the scope of things was really obvious just as I was kind of yeah. starting to, starting to, starting to lock down. You know, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely got something to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, stuff to say, you, you launched <laughs> la, 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 beautiful transition, right? <laughs> it works. You launched a column last month or last year, sorry, uh, late last year yeah. on Aquarium Drunkard called Blanks and Postage, where, um, you know, you've covered so far you know, 60s sci-fi novels, these sort of mysterious lost musicians and alt comics and all sorts of consciousness expanding literature. I wonder uh, what's the what's the what's exactly is the theme as you uh, envision it uh, of, of Blanks and Postage? <laughs> Uh, the theme, I, I, I don't know, it, you know, stuff, stuff for heads, basically. Um, yeah. I, I guess the concept of blanks and postage for me was that I, it seemed like I was accumulating all these things that I wanted to write about that weren't necessarily like, hey, here's a brand new album that's coming out on April 3rd. I have this story that I'd like to write for you by April 3rd, so it comes out with this new album, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, these things that aren't necessarily, like, plugged into into promotional cycles. Um, and it's great just to have a place to, 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 to do that and know that I have an outlet and more importantly, people who are going to read it <laughs> and care care about these kind of esoteric topics that I'm fascinated by, which are, you know, like you said, have included like, you know, republished science fiction from the 60s or comic books or, you know, synthesizer, synthesizer pioneers. It's kind of like, um, it's not exactly news for heads, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not not news either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, slow, slow, slow core news for heads, something like that. Um, that's a great description. Yeah, it's just a, <laughs> thank you. It's yeah, it's, it's a, 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 an outlet, but for you know, I I love the, the space that Aquarium Drunkard has has sort of carved for itself. It's you know, I I, I definitely feel you know, I'm pretty sure I, I identify with most Aquarium Drunkard readers. You know, in terms of the the, the the kinds of things, the kind of music they're interested in, and it seemed like a great um like a great spot to do something like that. Well, for, I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite things that we do on the site and, uh, and I, and I love that it accomplishes something that, that Justin and I have talked about and slowly been pushing at over the last couple of years, which is expanding the, the notion of what Aquarian Drunkard covers, you know, from not strictly music, um, Music obviously informs everything we do, really. But um, but 
you know, into into kind of uh, those those sort of side side roads and those sort of uh, those other those other you know sort of on ramps into the the other worlds that you've covered so far in terms of comic books and 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 we've done we've done some more of that and and leaning into science fiction. So for me, it's really great. It's helping to sort of. Uh, slowly expand the notion of what aquarium drunkard is and that's i'm very glad to have it on there awesome i think part of it is i guess sort of thinking about music the way it fits in 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 sort of the the countercultural sort of 60s 70s sense where it's kind of part of this continuum with, with comic books and politics and and technology um and all, all kind of sort of the expression of ideally kind of the same, um, you know, the same, same parts of culture, I guess, same yeah. or, or counterculture. Um, and I, I guess that's sort of one, one way that this is sort of tied together. Yeah, for sure. Have you, do you feel like you've been picking up on ideas for future columns? You, you, you posted the other day, uh, something about how quiet the city has been and, uh, <laughs> And and you you said I think who did you you said you hope that somebody's doing like field recordings like uh yeah like, like Bernie Krause style Bernie, yeah Bernie I mean, Krause yeah it's incredibly quiet here just with my you know like usually I actually put on music when I'm when I'm going to sleep um, of some sort and the last few nights I've really just like closed my eyes and and tried to see how far I could hear. Um, you know, like, you know, cars going by in other blocks or, you know, sometimes I can't quite hear conversations in other blocks, but I can definitely hear, you know, somebody, somebody shouting from a few blocks away. But yeah, that's, it's, that's been a, a crazy change. Um, I always kind of have a list of things that I want to write about. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's going to be, if that quite will be one of them, but sure. maybe, who knows? <laughs> if, if, if you if you meet the the guy who's the, making these theoretical found, sound recordings, your field recordings, maybe... Yeah. Maybe a profile on, on whoever that, you know, right. potentially well, imagined somebody, person is. Somebody pointed out when I posted that there's a, um, a project called, let me make sure I'm going to get it right before I say it out loud, uh, Cities and Memory. It's a Twitter feed, Cities and Memory, where there are definitely a lot of people posting sound sound related things that, yeah. you know, what's going on in their, in their, in their local soundscape. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot of other things going on in my local soundscape besides it being very quiet at night. It's uh, you definitely really hear a lot of uh, com- just straight up conversations during the day where you can make out like every every single word. Um, you know, people sit, sitting on a stoop having a phone co- you know phone conversation or whatever. Um, it's like, oh, yep, I'm completely checked in with your family now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that that's a. Uh probably sometimes that's kind of pleasant and other times maybe not. I don't know. Everybody's got... <laughs> depends, yeah. Depends what time of day it is. Yeah, for sure. Well, beyond that, what, what have you, what have you been uh, spending time with culturally lately? What have you, what have you, have you been reading and watching anything interesting? Uh, <laughs> I haven't been actually watching that much. Most, most, most watching has been, straight up comfort food <laughs> been watching old Mets games that's sort of been my, nice. my, my visual input um, reading wise um, I've actually been reading less which is kind of strange which I part of it I mean I'm not I'm not a commuter but even just you know 
I usually ended up on, on, a, on a train for at least a couple hours every few days. That would, that would give me a lot of book reading time. Um, I did just read uh, Strange Music by uh, Robert Hunter, which is an epic poem that he wrote uh, during the 1991 Gulf War, the first Gulf War. It was basically him kind of watching TV, <laughs> him, him isolating in his house, watching TV for three months and observing the Gulf War through the lens of cable news um, Man. And, and processing it. Um, so it's a little bit of sort of a media study. It's, it's, it's media studies in the form of an epic poem. Um, so that was, that was, that was one thing I, I've, I've been consuming. Um, I'm kind of in the, 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 the first phase of, of working on a new book project. So a lot of my time, uh, locked in here has been, um, focused on that, on, on researching that and on kind of getting going with, with writing and, um, I probably would have been doing this anyway, but really trying to em- embrace the idea that it's like, well, I've got, <laughs> I've got all these long days where I am not going anywhere. I might as well just sort of dig in. So yeah. I, I've been uh, been digging, digging, digging the f in as digging the f in as they say. I, d- I don't suppose you can talk about that book yet. I, I mean, I, I might as well mention it. Um, it's gonna be. Uh, an alternate history of music uh, told through uh, gray area recordings and, and bootlegs and, and live tapes um, going back to the 19th century and going to um, the present moment or yeah. whatever the present moment is when I, when I finish, which is yeah. still a couple of years away. But um, it's, yeah, that's, that's the concept. Well, that's an incredible concept. Um, <laughs> I don't so I've been I've been deeply immersed in like nineteenth early recorded music history, like the late nineteenth century um, and early twentieth century kind of wax cylinder phonograph era. Um, kind of feeling my way around and and um, just looking for looking for interesting stories and, and starting to, to piece things together. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, this is a, a definitely part of the the, the quarantine fun. Uh, at least in New York, the New York Public Library has given um, incredible home access to a whole bunch of things that that library users only get usually when they actually go into the library. Um, just you know, things like newspapers.com and a bunch of databases like that, uh, JSTOR uh, as well. So I've been really my my library card is is like permanently affixed to my to the, the desk next to my my laptop. So I've been really like surfing surfing a lot through old newspapers and you know getting pretty happily distracted searching for things that are sometimes mostly related to to the project at hand but sometimes not yeah that sounds incredible beyond beyond stuff you're listening to for the project uh what have you been what have you been spinning uh let's just say i I, that's a crazy question but let's just narrow it down to the last day or two okay good good. um so, I mean, for the project, I actually haven't even really been getting that deeply into the recordings yet because I'm mostly so far researching 19th century stuff, which is not exactly writing music or reading music or even right. uh, pleasurable to listen to a lot of the time, though some of it is. Um, uh, I have been, in addition to kind of my ongoing Grateful Dead project and kind of the, the weekly um the weekly work of getting ready for to, to do the radio shows, like, you know, finding, you know, diving into, into, into new things. Um, I think I'm going 
um, I was going to say methodically, but it's not methodical at all. Uh, really kind of going into um, the Sun City Girls and Sun Ra. And mm. it's kind of coincidental that they're both in the same place in my yeah, the alphabetical part of my music collection, but they're it sort of happened for for different reasons. But they're, they're both artists where I was pretty familiar with their work. You know, have had a bunch of their records, kind of knew the story. Now I'm not going like day by day <laughs> through the way I do through other things, but but yeah. you know, dive in, finding a recording and kind of like figuring it out. Um, sure. Has been has been really fun, and obviously both both the Sun City Girls and, and Sun Ra are artists with enormous enormous catalogs, um, and then further sort of secondary catalogs of, of live recordings. Um, right. So the, the, those have been just you know both both things to really sink my teeth into. And for the uh, for the Sun Ra, I actually recently again coincidental to the. Um, to the isolationism, <laughs> ordered a copy of the uh, the earthly recordings of Sun Ra, which is kind of like uh, the dead bass for for the Sun Ra Orchestra. So it's not uh, as well organized as dead bass, but it's this uh, almost 850 page book of Sun Ra set lists, basically, and wow. you know session information. Um, so I've kind of been going through the Sun Ra recordings that I've accumulated over, you know, kind of the last 20 years or something and, and, and like listening to them while kind of like looking at the, the session information and kind of like what was, what was going on in, in orchestra world around that time. So that's been a, a really fun way to, to kind of engage with that stuff. Yeah. Tons of activity on the Sun City Girls front as of late. And, uh, yeah. And and then obviously the Sun Ra sort of live uh, catalog is just kind of a constantly expanding thing. I feel like it's it's a it's a commitment to even keep up with sort of the the reissues, the you know oh, yeah, newly recordings. It's, it's next to impossible, <laughs> but it's but it's, a, it's it's beautiful to know that this vast world exists. You know that you can either uh, stay sort of plugged into. Uh, you can pop in and pop out. It's, it's, it's kind of a comfort, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I'm kind of basically trying to get myself just to the point as a, a listener, right. Don't feel overwhelmed by it Sure. <laughs> where I can, where like they'll put out a reissue and I'll kind of like know a little bit about like <laughs> what it is. You're like, yo, yeah, that's the year. That's like the space is the place era or that's, you know, that's, right. that's like right. when, when Marshall got his, you know, electronic valve instrument or whatever, like kind of like, and I'm not there yet yeah. <laughs> by any, by any, by any stretch. I, I definitely don't have a, like a straight chronology of this stuff in my head, but, um, maybe I'll get there. Yeah. I'm, I'm working through the, the book space is the place, the, uh, life and times of Sun Ra, which, um, is just, it's incredible, but I usually end up reading like, uh, four or five pages of that book. And then, going down rabbit holes based on what I read in the four or five pages. So as, as far as making my way through it quickly, I don't feel like I'm doing that at all, but that's okay too. Yeah. No, it's, that's, that's, that's fine. There's no, no, no rules, man. Um, but yeah, you know, I've, I've loved the, uh, you know, like I've just sort of been chasing it through the discography. Like I looked up, uh, 
I looked up Don Cherry in the in the back index of this thing, if you know, and it's like, oh, he did one tour with Sun Ra in 1983. So I download, you know, and that stuff is out there. You yeah. know, that stuff is is out there just as much as the Grateful Dead stuff is out there, or you know, whatever other live catalog you want to dive into. Um, so got that, and then I was like, oh, there's one studio album with with that lineup, and then I found the studio album, and it turned out the one edition of the studio album, the second side of the studio album is this amazing piece uh, that's uh, called Hiroshima, that's Sunron Pipe Organ, that is from, like, they, they don't even seem to know when it's from, like, 84 or 85, and it's as close as I've ever heard Sunron sounding to, like, an actual like, symphony or, or an orchestra or something, and it's just him and a percussionist, I yeah. think. Um, and it, it's it's mind blowing. It's certainly not uplifting music, but it's incredible. It's incredibly beautiful. Well, um, so yeah, it's been it's been it's been fun to kind of like go non chronologically and just sort of like chaotically almost through through a catalog as opposed to my usual <laughs> usual measured show by show kind of thing. Well, I hope that uh, that serves as sort of some inspiration for anybody who's listening to start doing, you know, exploring your your own record collection that way if you want, or, you know, find somebody like Sun Ra or The Dead or any of the many groups that have been documented forever, you know? So, I mean, one of the things that I feel like I've really enjoyed seeing, I think, kind of over the last few months is kind of this other people kind of doing these, these, these sort of uh, projects where they're methodically going through things. Um, I'm definitely not going to remember everybody's name who's doing things like this, but I know uh, one is like Ray Padgett is doing his, his flagging down the double E's Dylan mailing list project. Uh, Brad Farberman is actually doing a, a complete Sunra project on Twitter. Um, going through everything chronologically, um, starting with, with stuff from Chicago. Uh, I can't remember the name of the person. Somebody's doing uh, a, a full miles project as well. And they're up to like 69. Um, it's, 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 it's a, you know, I, I really like reading those kinds of things. Even if I'm not going to like listen to every single miles Davis recording, I love, like reading about them from the context of somebody who has and kind of can, can, can frame them like that. Um, and yeah, and there's definitely room for lots more projects like that. And yeah. Now's a good time to kick them off. If you're, if you're you're (laughs) waiting now, now might be a good time. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, Jesse, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us, man. I appreciate it as always. And it's really always, it's great to, to reconnect and talk with you. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having me, Jason. I I appreciate being asked. All right. We'll talk soon, man. Yeah. Later, man. Bye. I'm